Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Glad you're all here today. And uh, also a shout out to all the folks on our podcasts. This month, we're talking about relationships. For those of you who were here last week, you know we dispelled a lot of the myths and rumors about why relationships are successful and why they fail. And I promised you, and and I'm going to keep my word, that we would talk about a new way of looking relationships, which I think will bring us some success. That being uh, relationships based and nourished through an understanding and use of our core values. Let me start with a quick quote from the book here, having to do with values. The book is uh, John Demartini's The Heart of Love. He says, most people have no idea what's really important to them. (laughs) And we're going to check this out in a minute. I've met many individuals who profess certain values, but whose actions demonstrate something altogether different. It's not a matter of deliberate deception, but more a result of their distorted perception of what's real for them. They've been so influenced about what their value system ought to be that they really have no idea of what it actually is. And so that's where we're going to start today, is questioning whether we even know what we really stand for. How many of us have actually done the introspection necessary to be able to almost uh, have a list, if you will, of what is actually important to you? I would suggest very few people actually could give a list of what their core values, uh, what their core ideals are. Well, that's got to change if we want to approach the idea of relationships from a value-based standpoint. Now, there are a couple different ways that we can go about this, and I'm going to propose at least two of them today, but I bet you can even figure out some others on your own. The first one is your values are simply a reflection of where you spend your time, your energy, and your money. And so you could look at your bank account and your credit card statements. You could look at your calendar. And you could look where you put your oomph. You could look where you put your mental activity and energy. And you would probably come up with an interesting list. Now, I'm already feeling a little pushback. (laughs) So let me just wade into the pushback here, right? Because some of you are saying, well, no, I really wish I could spend more time with my family. My values really are more with my family. But I have bills to pay. So I have to spend 50, 60 hours a week at work. It's not what I want to do. It's just how it turns out that that's where my time is spent. Or you might say, when I looked over my visa bill, I discovered, oh my gosh, I'm spending like a half or three quarters of my money on our rent. and our. Fi- it's not that I value those things. I'd much rather be spending, right? So am I starting to get the pushback already? <laughs> I got to tell you, almost by definition, though, where you spend your time, where you spend your money, Where you spend your effort is what you value. It's almost the definition of it. And to push back too hard is to say you're doing your life wrong. Now now that might be worth some pushback, but the pushback is almost to yourself. How do we really look 
at our activities. And the other thing is that so often we're used to what society says is a good value or a worth value or maybe not so much, right? And I'm here to tell you that a value is just a value. It's not actually good or bad. It's just what is important to you. Now, <clears throat> I'm thinking when we get in to talk about something like our family arrangements, most of us have been trained from the earliest age to say that our family comes first. And certainly I would question anyone that didn't have a family and friendship and connection with other people somewhere on their list of values, right? I mean, we are social beings, and so definitely our relationships are probably going to be on everyone's list of values. But number one, is it wrong if my friends and my family aren't first? See, I think society might say, yeah, there's something wrong with you. I'm here to tell you it's not true. I'm here to tell you that what you value is simply what you value, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So let's now talk about another way of coming up and really understanding what your values are. So I've slipped into your program uh, this week an actual survey. And uh, you don't need to necessarily take it out right now, but I want it to kind of go home with you. And I want to describe it a little bit. So you'll see on there are actually 84 different values. Now don't freak out quite yet. The, the survey itself isn't that hard to do. Uh, you're quickly, uh, relatively quickly, going to look over the entire two-sided list and just read the values once. First of all, I want you just to be exposed to a list of values. Then second time through in the first column, simply for each value, rate it. Is it very important to me? That would be a one. It's like number one. If it's not important at all, that would be a seven. And for most of us, it'll probably be somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, so, so the second time through, again, all 84 of them, just give it a little bit of a, of a rating for yourself. Is this really important to me or not important at all or somewhere in the middle? And then the third time through in the second column, I'd like you to come up with the highest 12 values that you have. Now, we have them broken out into different categories. I think that'll help you understand a little bit more of what you're evaluating. There's a spot for career. There's a spot for social activity. There's a spot for health and wellness. So it'll help by grouping them maybe a little bit for you. But when you end up in that right-hand column, I'd like you rated from 1 to 12 your 12 most important values. Now, don't freak out. You don't have to like, oh, is this number three or is this number four? And if I don't get this right, no, don't go, don't go there. <laughs> the good news is we all have a variety of values. And at any given time, one of them may seem more important than another one. And I get that. So don't spend too much time trying to make sure the order you've put them in is somehow perfect. Because my guess would be three days from now, the order might be a little different. It's more about the relative position on an average day of how you would evaluate those things. Okay? So that's what I'm... And well, in fact, you can guess what your homework for the week is. I, I would love it if you would do one of those two ways, or maybe even a third way you might come up with, of finding out what your core values, that which is most important to you.
okay? And, and I know some of you are extra credit kind of people, and so if any of you, if any of you want extra credit, have a friend or a partner or a workmate do it with you, someone who's important to you, someone whom, whom you're in relationship with and wouldn't mind sharing your values. Okay, so we've got that taken care of, and your next question, of course, would be, well, so what? <laughs> like, why, why is that useful? Somehow are you saying that if I'm married to someone who doesn't have the same top value I have, am I in trouble? If, if my best friend has a different set of values than I do, is this, uh, you know, somehow metaphysically the stars aren't aligned and, you know, we're going to have a, a big mess on our hands? So let me talk about this uh, just a little bit. First of all, people that share, say, the top three or four similar values to you are going to be those kinds of people that you'll almost be able to complete their sentences, have you ever had a friend that you knew them so well you could almost finish sentences with them? Or people that, uh, uh, the people that when you're talking about things and you'll come up with an idea, it's almost like you both have the same idea at the same time and you w both want to take the same action at the same time. It's like the idea of vacation comes up and you both say Puerto Vallarta at the same instant. Have you had friends like that? Most likely, those are people that share some of the same key values, right? Doesn't necessarily mean these should be life partners. Doesn't necessarily mean these will be friends until the end of time. But what it does portray is that there will be a natural easiness of being together because you will typically view the world in a similar way. The, the things that you value they value, and of course, that tends to mean that we will like to do some of the same activities because they're usually in supportive values. And that is the first big aha here. We act out of our values. We act out of our values. And we should because that's what is natural to us. When you talk about the authentic self, that is when we are acting on our values. So if one of my highest values is something like uh, uh, compassion for others in trouble, it would be crazy for me. I'm one of, I'd be one of those people that I see a, a, a car accident and I'm either praying for them, I'm on my phone to make sure an emergency vehicle, right? The, the kind of good Samaritan, if you would, right? It is a high value of mine. And for me not to do that would actually be acting out of character for me, right? If someone said, Larry, I don't want you doing that anymore. That's spending way too much of your time away from the family, away from your business. That just cut it out. <laughs> they would be actually asking me to be inauthentic. Okay, so I, I've used an example here where, where you can kind of laugh a little bit, like, like someone would ask me, you know, not to be the Good Samaritan. But think about this in terms of maybe friendship and marriage where values don't line up so well. What if uh, in a friendship, one of you values relationship, friendship, family, and personal connection as the top value altogether, the other person has it on their list, but maybe it's number 12, maybe it's number 11. And for them, they have career and success 
and uh, the ability to earn a good living and the ability to provide for their family and their friends. Do you see how person number one say, why are you spending so much time at work? I'm starting to feel a little neglected here. Don't you love me? Thus, me sending out my little guilt feelers. <laughs> but the reality is, there is nothing wrong with having something like career, something like success, something like wanting to earn a living. There is nothing wrong with having that on your list of values. There's nothing wrong with it even being number one. But what I am here to tell you is because we act out of our values, those actions may come up against other people's actions and preferences in a way that will cause friction. In fact, if you want to know the number one way to tell that a new friend or a new acquaintance or someone you're dating has a different set of values than what you have, friction. <laughs> when you want to do something that they don't want to do, when you're making a suggestion of something that would be fun and they're like, Ooh, uh, mm, uh, mm, uh, right? That's the friction that comes when you have different sets of values. Okay, no big deal. They're, in a way, they're kind of preferences. Where we get in trouble is, have you ever been in a relationship where you felt you had to always do it someone else's way? Yes, Don't, it's okay, nod your head. <laughs> when that happens though, you are acting inauthentically. Now, we're all asked now and then to ask to act inauthentically. Now and then, it's no problem, right? Uh, uh, maybe you like going to movies, maybe you don't. Maybe you have a high value on being out in nature and uh, going on hikes and things like that, maybe you don't. And always for a friend or a partner or a coworker, you're willing now and then to do something that isn't quite your thing. You want to be with them, you like them, you want to maintain the relationship. It's okay if we go bowling today, right? It's, it's okay. I, I mean, I'm not going to die. It's not my favorite thing. But what if every single time we have to do the equivalent of bowling? That is where a lot of relationships start getting cockeyed, is when one, uh, well, and it can happen to both people. Sometimes in one area, one person always has to give in. In another area, same relationship, the other person always has to give in. When that is true, you're basically asking someone to discount their own values. You're basically asking them to be inauthentic. We're back to the idea if someone were to say, Larry, stop being the good Samaritan. Right? So how do we handle this? Does it mean that if our values are different, we're not meant to be together? No. The way we handle situations like that, though, is that we correlate and understand the way that different people's values work in harmony with you. We don't try to tell someone that their values are wrong, we make sure we allow space for them 
to absolutely express their values. It's who they are. It's their authentic nature. Sometimes that does require compromise. You'll want to be very knowledgeable about what their values are so that now and then you don't insist you go to the movies or you, you, you don't insist that it has to be a hiker out in nature if that's not their value. You'll want to be really clear that this is a given, that you recognize differing values and you're going to allow each other to be fully uh, uh, compliant, acting out of their own situations. It might mean that your partner gets to go hiking on their own or with someone else now and then. It might mean that you pass on the bowling now and then, right? I'll, I'll go once or twice a month. That's, you know, that's my fill of bowling. But you can be on a team, right? So part of it is recognizing we each get to play out, act upon our set of values, our, our set of what's important to us. Sometimes it fits for uh, the person you're in relationship with, your coworker, your family member, uh, your spouse. Sometimes not. We don't give each other a bad time about it because when we do that, we're saying, I don't love you as you. We're saying, I love some stranger that kind of looks like you but ought to behave a lot differently. So instead, we notice our values and we support on purpose each other's values. And we expect the same. We expect that my values will be honored even as I expect and honor your values. One way of looking at this too is to think about our differing values as actually being complementary. Let me talk just a little bit more about that. So I, for instance, uh, in, in our home life, I'm a little, and you might, uh, you might not believe this, but I'm a little bit more the outdoor person. I like to go on hikes. I like to be outdoors. I like to do physical activities outside, whether it's kayaking or hiking or things like that. I enjoy that quite a bit. My partner, not really at all. Not really at all. In fact, if, if he were to list out all the values, might not even be in the top 12. But yet, my partner values hearth and home, uh, working in the yard and doing things in our, uh, to create a loving environment for us. One way that we can look at this is what kinds of activities do both? So, for instance, at our house, doing yard work together is a celebration of both of our values. I get to be outside. I get to be out in the sunshine, get to be doing activities. He gets to be nurturing hearth and home. He gets to be supporting an environment that's lovely and beautiful. Do you see, we found an activity that we both can celebrate acting out of our value pools. Okay. Let me give you another example that maybe is even a, a, a source of frustration for some. Let's say you're in a partnership where one person values um, success and the business world, uh, career, the idea of making a stable environment in terms of, of money and maybe success. Maybe the other person is more of a homebody. Now you can see that sometimes this will cause uh, that level of stress because what's perceived is, well, if you really loved me, you'd spend more time at home. 
Or the other person might say, if you really loved me, you'd understand that I have to travel for work and it's part of who I am and the, the joy of being an entrepreneur means I'm actually on the road doing some things out of town a lot. And so you can see there might be that friction of, you know, if you cared more about me, you'd understand my need to, you know, fill in the blank. But think of it another way. Think about how those values might be intertwined. The person whose values of home and hearth, they're creating a wonderful, beautiful environment for that relationship to flourish in. So that when that person comes home from work, it is a beautiful, nurturing, brilliant situation to be in. Likewise, think about the person at home and hearth they're probably using some of the finances and some of the benefits that come with the success of the person who's maybe putting in 50 or 60 hours of work now and then. And so if we can look at this as a complementary relationships, then we can begin to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, this doesn't mean she doesn't love me. This isn't a significance of short-shifting me at all. This is part of what we manage to do together in the world together. Make sense? And in fact, in the book, Demartini talks about a way specifically that you can do this. He, he calls this an exercise uh, of connection. He says, think of at least five ways in which the other person's top values help you fulfill your priorities. Let me read that again. Think of at least five ways in which the other person's top values help you fulfill your priorities. And then, of course, do the reverse. List at least five ways in which your top value helps your friend or your partner, the other person in the relationship, do what is important and valuable to them. This is how you can get that idea of, of complementary values. They don't have to be the same. In fact, maybe the relationship can be stronger for the fact that they are not the same. Maybe the two of you together can pull off more in terms of advancing the relationship, advancing the whole planet, because your values are different. The key here always is different values do not imply goodness or badness, rightness or wrongness. And there's something about our values that I think internally we, we almost want to say my values are not just good for me, but my values should be good Right? For everybody. And, and if you look at the list, if you look at the list, are there any bad values on there? Not really. Right? It's not, I mean, we don't have mass murdering down as, as one of the values on there that we could all agree that's a bad value. Right? They're all actually good. So it's just a question of which do we value more? Which is more important to me personally and it can always be different from other people, and it can always still be good. So we never want to use our values as a, um, kind, some kind of a fulcrum for getting people to be different. When we do that, we're saying, I, I, I'm in relationship with the wrong person. I want you to be different. 
And that's not what a good relationship is about. It's more about understanding the differences, celebrating them even, understanding how your difference can help them and how their difference can help you. Well, I found a, a joke about differences in values. We'll, we'll give it a try, see if this helps us at all. So a gentleman fell out of a fishing boat but was unable to catch anyone's attention. The boat moved on. He eventually found himself on a deserted island. Nothing but coconuts, a little fresh water from a spring, and the fish he could catch. Fifteen years pass. Finally, Finally, a small boat pulls up onto shore. A young woman steps out of the boat with a backpack. She says, are you Fred Quimby? Well, yes, I, I am. Congratulations, I'm from Rescue Inc. And we've been attempting to find you since you were first lost. Now, now let me see, how long has it been since you've had a smoke? What, a smoke? Well, 15 years. She reaches into her backpack and pulls out a package of camels. How in the world did you know I used to smoke camels? Well, we've researched all of your preferences very carefully, Fred. We want to do a good job of reintroducing you back into life, and we've, we've tried to bring the things that we think you would value the most. How long has it been since you've had a drink? Well, the man is astounded. She reaches into the backpack and produces a bottle of Jack Daniels, and, and the man has his first little cocktail in 15 years, too. Oh, my God, I'm so surprised. You know what I value. Oh, yes, she said. And in fact, we've tried to anticipate what you've been missing the most. Tell me, Fred, how long has it been since you've played around? Good Lord, says Fred, startled. You have golf clubs in there, too? Well, you didn't really think I was going to go there, did you? <laughs> so my thought is, my thought is, how might you research the values of the people that you really care about? These are the people we profess to love, the people we profess to have as our colleagues and our best friends, the, the people who are family members and are so very, very, very dear to us. Wouldn't it be a blessing if we knew what was really important to them? Wouldn't it just be a blessing to know that someone you care about is more interested in your time than your money? Wouldn't it be really useful and important to know that someone you care about is maybe more interested in doing an outdoor activity um, than being forced to go bowling again? <laughs> Wouldn't it simply be a blessing if you, un <laughs> and I know I'm going to get some pushback, I actually bowl. I was a team <laughs> captain, I swear to gosh. Uh, so bowling is actually okay with me. I'm just using that as a funny example because every time I suggest it to my partner, he just looks at me and says, bowling, is that really the best you can come up with? <laughs> so, uh, but isn't it nice to know that? Isn't it nice to act from that place of knowing all of the information that would be important to have this relationship, whatever the relationship is, be successful and loving and participative. Well, I'm going to close with another quote um, from the book. But again, I want you to think about your homework. 
So at a minimum, I would love it for you to discover what your own values are because then you can speak with some authority when someone tries to get you to be inauthentic. You'll be able to say, you know, that's an interesting idea, but I don't really value spending a lot of time uh, maybe uh, viewing sports on television. It's a, it's a great thing. It's just not one of my values. I totally get that. If you want to have a Super Bowl party, um, you know, I'll go out with my friends and do something else, right? And, and it's okay to be straightforward that way. You're not saying they're wrong. You're just saying I have a different set of values. So at a minimum, let's find out if we can ascertain what our values are and then the extra credit that moving forward with love in any kind of a relationship, whether it be friendship or partnership or workmates or colleagues, let us see if we can find out what values others in our lives have. If they're willing to take the little survey, that would be a cool thing. You could uh, spend a little afternoon with, uh, with coffee and, and talk over values. But I guess, I think you can also tell just by observing them, where do they spend their time, their money, their efforts, right? I think that even without doing the survey, you'll have a sense of what their values are, what's important to them, and how might you begin honoring each other's values. All right, final quote from the book and a prayer. He says, wisdom is honoring other people's value systems, knowing that they're going to live by them anyway and learning to truly love and appreciate the differences as well as the similarities. Continually asking yourself, how are my highest values served by them doing what they do best? And how are, uh, and how are my highest values served, uh, excuse me, I got this backwards here, and how are their highest values served by what I do best? You'll find again and again that whatever you're challenged to embrace in a person often simply represents your own disowned parts, those parts of your own sets of values that are underplayed. The purpose of relationships is to attract into your life what you've disowned in yourself so that you can learn to love that part of yourself and recognize an ultimate wholeness. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence, one life and one good. There is but this one thing that I call God. And what I know about God is that it is the values of all time. It is in God that every good thing is born. And so for myself, I, I recognize that goodness of God moving through me as my sets of values. And, and I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with the fact that they don't match up with everyone else's. I celebrate my own uniqueness by, by my set of values, those things that I hold dear for myself. And, of course, I allow other people to be their authentic self as well. And so for the people within the hearing of my voice, I simply extend that invitation for each one of us to know more about ourselves, to understand our motivations, to understand our morals, our ideals, and our values. And likewise, uh, to be okay with communicating them, with gently expressing our uh, our own values, gently expressing our own opinions in the world. Not as truth and not as, as good versus evil, but simply who we are, simply a preference, simply a value that we hold dear to us. 
Likewise, I know we're open to exploring the values of other people and seeing them as a colorful and compatible difference. And so I give great thanks for this. I give th- great thanks for God showing up in an infinity of differences and an infinity of samenesses. God showing up truly as each person in this room and beyond. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you're here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.